1: Save me
2: to the in the middle of the sun What's going on guys?
0: Welcome to I do Podcast where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating and self-help experts. Whether you're single, dating, married or struggling in a relationship, you're in the right place. We're here to help give you the tools to succeed.
2: And on today's episode, we welcome Dr. Alexandra Solomon. And Dr. Solomon is a licensed clinical psychologist at the Family Institute at Northwestern University and a clinical assistant professor also at Northwestern. And her most recent book is called Loving Bravely. And one thing that we talk about in the episode and that I love is that she actually teaches a course called Building Loving and Lasting Relationships Marriage 101 at Northwestern. And if there's ever a course, if you're a college student that you want to take to succeed, I would say that is it. And she says that it is one of, if not the most popular course at the school, which is great to hear. In today's show, we talk about how to improve yourself to improve the relationship. And a lot of the things we talk about are things that she goes over in that college course that her kids love so much. So a ton of valuable insight that has been proven i think the course is in its 17th or or 19th year she said so and it's the most popular one there and it's just so much great stuff that you'll be able to apply to yourself that will help improve your relationship so if you're listening with your partner great if you're not you're still going to be able to bring this stuff and help improve the relationship so even if you are in a good and happy place there are certainly things that you can take and if you're not or if you're single there's going to be some great advice.
0: We hope you guys enjoy the episode. Support for IDU Podcast comes from Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. Join over 500,000 people who have used Talkspace for online therapy with their licensed therapist. Get $30 off your first month by visiting Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's one word, I-D-O. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Hi, Dr. Solomon. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Hi, you guys. Great to be here with you.
2: So we've given our listeners just a little overview. Why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationship?
3: Sure. Well, I've been at this for a lot of years now. I um pretty early in graduate school, I realized that I was really passionate about figuring out what it takes to make love flourish. And Uh, a number of different facets of my life kind of feed that um, passion of mine. So when I'm working in my therapy office and working with individuals and couples, helping them unlock what's holding them back and be, um, you know, bold and open and curious in their romantic relationships. Uh, In my classroom, I teach an undergraduate class called Building Loving and Lasting Relationships Marriage 101. And that's all we do. We just kind of dive right in and understand uh, explore and better understand what it takes to make love work. I train graduate students to be couples therapists. I do a lot of work with the media and presenting on these topics. And um, and as you know, just published a book that's really designed to be a deep dive into oneself uh, in order to kind of heal, grow, open, expand yourself so you can bring your most wholehearted self to your romantic relationships.
2: Love that. And we are going to zero in on that topic for today. But first, I got to ask your course at school. It To me, it's so interesting because I'm unfortunately a long way out of college, even though I, I still feel like I'm 20. But I, I just imagine uh, that course being offered in school and and not diving at the opportunity to, to learn about marriage. And, and But I think it's great. And I think that's what we love to do here on the podcast is give people the tools to succeed so kind of could you just talk about that course and how it's received by the younger students uh college-age students
3: sure oh my gosh we have so much fun it's uh we're actually just about to get rolling here it's a spring quarter um course so we're just kind of laying the groundwork and getting ready to rock and roll with it but this this year it's going to be the 17th year that we've taught the class and um at this point it is well for a number of years it's really been the most popular course on campus we fill up um very 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 quickly and have a long wait list and um we try try to pack as many students into the classroom as we can cuz it is as you're saying it's a pretty unique opportunity to have at college and college you know that that chapter of our life i mean i think i think as human beings we're always curious about love but i think there's something about being a college student where those issues of intimacy and who am I and what do I want in love are so ripe for exploration they're so important and so in the foreground so to have a class where they can use their brains and um, study the research and study all of what we know um, scientifically and from lots and lots of you know hours of therapy um, what we know makes a relationship work it's really a neat opportunity and there's um I always say the class sits at the intersection of academic and experiential learning because they're doing traditional things like writing papers and taking quizzes and reading research. But they're also doing experiential learning in these small breakout groups. So we meet as a big group in a lecture hall and I give lectures and other colleagues of mine come in and give lectures. And then we also break up into small groups and um, in the small group, they're they're really applying that material to their own lives and their own stories, and um, kind of growing what I call relational self-awareness. So, growing themselves, and that's um, that's a really powerful tool of growth to sit with. Um, classmates and um, all of our my graduate assistants are all um, graduate students who are training to be marriage and family therapists. So they're well suited to kind of help young adults um, better understand who they are and what they want for their lives.
0: I think almost every student should be required to take that class. To have it was you. really,
1: cu-
0: yeah. yeah.
3: At, the, at the end of the quarter, you know, they fill out evaluations. And last year, one of my students wrote my favorite comment ever. It was like, If you want to love or if you are a human who likes humans, you should take this class. Like basically, (laughs) I don't know why you wouldn't take this class. That's
2: awesome. Well, I want to take it. I got to go back to school now.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, you guys are welcome to sit in. If you're ever in Chicago, you're welcome Mm. to come and sit in.
2: It's super interesting and it's awesome that that 's so well received it 's great to hear because we we have the podcast, and we give this advice, and I even said uh, my I was projecting what I thought I would do as a college student but but now, after hearing it and and that there there are people that are trying to be proactive, we obviously we love our listeners. We have more and more every week, just ten thousand downloads in one episode in the last week of that 's ten thousand people. Getting great information from people like yourself. So, today, let's go ahead and zero in and talk about. We mentioned it before um, improving our own emotional and psychological well being to help improve our relationships. So, what to start us off, what is maybe the, the primary problem that people have with, with not being in a good place emotionally and, and how that's affecting their relationships?
3: Yeah, well, I um, just kind of going, you know, going back to what you were saying, I think that as a culture, we're really obsessed with love, but we are not nearly as obsessed with doing what it takes to make love really work. And so, you know, what you guys are doing is so important, and I, and I really value um, having these kinds of conversations. And that, to me, is the heart of what needs to happen, um, which is making the time and space to really... Um, look within and understand, okay, who am I and what am I bringing to the table? And to me, the most important factor that kind of is the foundation for everything else is being ready, willing, and able to look at how all of the experiences in our lives, um, most often the experiences we have in our families growing up, um, lay the foundation for who we are, what we believe, what we want, uh, and how we act in love. And so, I feel like most often the work that I'm doing is helping people look at what did you learn in your family growing up and what are those elements of what you learned in your sort of original love classroom? What do you want to bring with you and carry forward into your romantic relationships? And what do you want to leave behind? Because the past is always with us. Um, the only question is, are we going to be brave enough to really look at how the patterns that we grew up with repeat themselves in our adult lives. And if we can be brave enough to look at those patterns, we can then choose what we want to continue and carry forward and then, uh, transform and release and let go of what doesn't serve us.
2: And obviously, that's such a detailed process and there's a lot of things that go on that would require a whole class, a whole course like you teach. (laughs) But for, for our listeners, is there, is there an exercise they can do to examine their past and and become aware of these things and and how they're affecting their relationship?
3: Gosh. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's it, it. You're right. It is. It's the, it's sort of the heart of the class I teach and of certainly of the book that Um, that I just wrote. I think that one of, um, a place to start is looking at what did you learn in your family growing up about how to handle conflict and how to handle closeness. Because if you think about it, basically being in love with somebody is a constant dance of closeness and conflict and closeness and conflict. And both of those are woven into a relationship, right? We think that a relationship is all about kind of like feeling good and getting along, and it certainly is. But those misses and the conflict and the hurt feelings and the disappointment are also a part of love. And so what did you learn growing up about how to handle those moments of disconnect, of difference, of struggle? What did you learn about that in your house? So I think that's a really great place to start. It's just like what were the messages you were given about conflict and closeness?
2: And that's probably that's the first step is understanding it and once we can kind of get that perspective, how do we take the steps forward to to move positively in a in a good direction in our relationship?
3: Hmm.
1: Hmm.
3: Well, you're right. In in the book, we call it um sort of like a name, connect, choose process. And the, so the first thing. Um, is naming and and nothing nothing can change until it gets named and um, That's a I think also. It's a little easy for us to underestimate the power of Naming something, you know once it's been named um, That means we're bringing it into our conscious awareness. We're claiming it either as a problem or a strength or an asset Um, and so that kind of like insight is a really big like Really big piece of the puzzle right there. And then the rest of it is just practicing. The rest of it's practicing. So if I know that in my family, I learned that if there's a problem or a conflict, what we do is pick up the corner of the rug and just sweep it under (laughs) and leave it there and not talk about it. That's what I learned growing up. And I'm naming that as my pattern and my tendency then in my own relationship is if there's a problem, if I can name and be honest about the fact that I am at risk of sweeping a problem under the rug now i can challenge myself and say okay i know that my knee jerk reaction is to look the other way and just try to make nice ignore it i know that's my knee jerk reaction but what do i need to do instead how can i be brave how can i be brave and take a step forward because i know you know, whatever I've learned about when I put something under the rug, my husband, my partner feels X. If I can get really wise about knowing that the, I have a tendency in this direction and here's the negative impact it has on my partner that can help me kind of hold myself accountable and be brave enough to start the process of doing it a different way.
2: That's a great specific example. Now my question is if we're in a relationship, should, shouldn't we be sharing these things like we're examining ourselves, but at the same time, are we sort of walking through this with our partner?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's, um, that is definitely there's, there's a piece of it. It's about our own self-awareness for sure. And that's really important. But there's a piece of it also, which is about working with our partner, um, around, how my tender spots and your tender spots fit together. There was um, I was working with a couple this morning, in fact, and we were working on kind of their core issue, which is that he his primary love language is verbal affirmation. He craves and longs for verbal affirmation from his wife. Okay, this is like a long standing par- long standing pattern throughout their marriage, and he is partnered with a woman who really struggles with that. She didn't learn it in her family growing up. She doesn't understand this whole idea to her verbal praise is like patronizing it's uncomfortable um so they have this whole dance they've been doing for many years where the very thing that he wants and needs is the very thing that she struggles to give and um And they had a moment today where she was like, maybe we're just not, maybe we shouldn't be together. And I was like, oh, honey, every couple I work with, that's the way that it goes. Like my wounds and your wounds fit together like a lock and a key. I think we're drawn to people who challenge us to break through old patterns and do it differently. So she's being really challenged in this marriage to soften, open, be more verbal and vulnerable with her praise and her love. And he's being challenged to figure out how to ask for what he needs, kind of soothe himself. Um, so it's, in that way, a, a very perfect fit. But there's a part of it that's his work, a part of it's it her work, and a part of it that's, that's their work. And that's how it always is. It's always my stuff, your stuff, and our stuff.
2: It's easy to take the, the easy way out, like how, how she said, maybe we're not fit in, in- – I think that's why relationships uh, it's hard work and we might be a lot of times attracted to someone that that makes us work harder like you said like they they bring out that that quality that that is almost opposite of what we're seeking and it's so interesting i mean isn't that kind of relationships are so complex but it's almost what it comes down to is is i love the analogy like the dance Uh and navigating that dance. And I say a lot of times with all the advice that we get, there's not necessarily, and I'm sure when, when you work with people, there's not one wrong or right way to do things or to tackle conflict. But the more tools you have and the more you are aware of yourself, aware of your past and how it's made you into who you are, the better you're going to be able to To address the problems and to navigate them, it's not that we're trying to prevent conflict altogether because that does not exist. A relationship with zero conflict, there's going to be some level of cooperation, and in navigating that is, it is uh, such a difficult, but it can be beautiful uh, dance.
3: Absolutely, yeah. You know, one of the big parts of my job is to train train um, graduate students to be couples therapists and I think when you're beginning as a couples therapist what you want is like a really well organized toolbox so that when your couple comes in you can use this tool and then this tool and this tool and this tool and and then you have them feeling better and out your door in you know eight sessions flat and I think there are certainly tools and skills and communication kinds of assignments that couples can do that are very helpful. But I think one of the most powerful things about couples therapy and about this kind of personal growth work that you are inviting and challenging your listeners to do is one of the greatest tools we can have is just growing our resilience and our ability to tolerate complexity and shift from a a mindset of we have to fix this and reduce the conflict to get back to a place of being, quote, unquote, okay. And instead really work on just being able to kind of vibe with and flow with and stay with how incredibly complicated love is. I think about love sometimes is like looking at us and laughing like, oh, okay, you think that it's going to be really neat and tidy and you can organize it and put it into boxes and create rules and boundaries. (laughs) And love is like, I, that's not how I do it. I mean, love is complicated and uh, unruly and disorganized and messy. So, and that way, our best tool is just our own resilience and ability to kind of stay with all of that mess and um kind of appreciate it
2: it's so true and the the better we know ourselves the the more we're going to be able to learn these tools and it, if you're just coming from a place that you're not taking the time to to look within it's you're almost just blind to half of more than half of the equation is there is there one particular tool? I know you just mentioned a, a few, but is there one that just stands out as making the most difference besides the self-introspection? Uh, is there another tool that can make the a huge difference in in improving our relationships?
3: Um well, I um I think that one I think couples really benefit from Um, taking a stance of being curious about each other and um, being invested and interested in learning more about each other because it's a way. So if we think about introspection as something that grows self-awareness and helps us understand, Oh my knee jerk reaction is going to be this. So let me do this instead. um, The tool, the tool of being curious about our partner is a tool that keeps empathy flowing in a relationship So if I can stay really curious about my partner and who he is and where his patterns come from and what he was like as a little boy and how his childhood shaped his tendencies and created tender spots for him, um, the more I can be curious about that, the less reactive I'll be and the less I'll want to and need to change him or quote unquote fix him. And the more I can just kind of appreciate him as his own complicated person. You know, I think when we're, in one of those like sort of stuff hits the fan moments in our relationship what we want is the other guy to change just to make the discomfort go away you know like just be different because if you could just be different in this moment it wouldn't be so painful so if we can make it a practice to stay in a curious stance about like wait tell me how do you see the world and how do you see that and what's it like for you to have a you know this little baby that's having, you know, we can't kind of get her to quiet down. How is that for you? And why is why does it feel like that for you? And like this for me, kind of just being really curious about how you each see the world in slightly different ways, even though, you know, you're very connected.
0: And it really just, like you said, it all kind of comes back to just being almost aware of yourself and how you kind of react in that situation.
3: Um, like a, a conflict situation. So I think that's a great example. What One of my grad students a couple of years ago told the story that just like so, so crystallizes for me. So she and her husband live in this sort of, you know, typically small Chicago apartment. And he wanted to have like floor to ceiling paper towel. Like in his mind, that was what you did. You go to Costco, you buy all the paper towel you can possibly fit into your apartment. And that's how it has to be. And she was so irritated by this and so annoyed. Like, in her mind, needed like maybe a couple of extra rolls, but basically, like, you could go to the store if you needed more and, you know, get more. So it was a source of conflict and tension, and she wanted to change him, right? Like, she wanted him to see it the way she saw it. And somehow, in one of these conversations, it came to light that he grew up as a little boy in an Eastern European country where they had nothing. They grew up in extreme poverty, they had very little. To get their needs met and everything felt very unsafe and insecure. And so for him now, as a grown man in the U.S., in, you know, Chicago, living with his wife, to him, that floor to ceiling paper towel just symbolized we're going to be okay. We have a safety net under us. We have a little cushion and it soothes that little boy part of him, you know, that grew up afraid of where, of, of, you know, not being able to kind of have enough. And so then she just let go of the struggle. And then she could look at that paper towel and just feel a sense of pride that in fact this was a symbol of the two of them taking care of themselves and each other. And she knew if the little boy part of him felt soothed and okay, that that was kind of enough for her. It helped her let go of the desire to make him different.
2: I love that story. And our listeners are probably thinking of a time that they had a silly argument over paper towels or something and maybe... It, because it's it's we had a, another guest I can't remember exactly who it was but it was a very similar story that one thing that the partner was doing is something about taking out the trash and it just really annoyed the other partner for years and years and years and then it it turned out that there was a a deep rooted meaning in in what was going on uh, with with what seemed like a trivial or, or silly thing. Uh, about taking out the trash and if you take the time to ask the questions you'll get to the root of the the cause and then it turns into a a beautiful thing that the other you know you don't have to to fill up the living room with paper towels maybe but but you can (laughs) you can understand you can compromise but you understand that we're we're complex beings and and that just shows it it's like it on the surface it's it's the paper towels but it's such a a a much more deep rooted thing going on. It, it's
3: I I love that story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. I, it really it really stayed. Uh, it really stayed with me when she was. It was like an aha moment for her in the classroom. To be like, oh, okay, I understand now how that whole story that we went through fits with this whatever it was that I was teaching at that moment. It was really yeah, it was neat.
2: Right, and so what's the best way that that can come out? Uh, is that someone looking at their past but i i almost feel like it's so hard to be introspective and if we're 30 something years old and we got this thing with paper towels and we don't really uh, understand why uh, w- without some someone prodding us and that's is that maybe when the partner asking those questions is so valuable
3: well yeah i love that right a, a partner who's willing to ask a curious question about can you help me understand what the meaning is of this for you because I just I genuinely legitimately I'm confused help me understand it um, but I would just say, I mean, I would just put a plug out there for couples therapy as a really, really powerful tool. I, My heart breaks when a couple comes into my office and they're in the 11th hour, you know, and they already have looked for a divorce attorney and they're just here to see me as like a one last ditch effort. I really wish that we could shift the culture to be one in which couples make ample use of couples therapy. And you know, we spend so much money and time on all kinds of lessons and coaches and consultants and it seems like couples therapy all too often is the last tool that anybody wants to use and people wait in my mind people wait far too long to reach out and and um and ask for i mean couples people who are who are really well trained to do really good couples therapy can make a powerful difference in the lives of people and then we think about like the lives of them the children that they raise and the children you know that they raise like it's just a it's i think it's such an admirable thing to do to say i love you so much and i love us so much that i want us to take the time and invest the money in better understanding our patterns and where they come from and how we can best serve each other in this relationship
2: relationships whether they're romantic or with our family or friends, they're the most important things in our lives. And and like you said, it it is so interesting from a cultural level how we don't put nearly as much emphasis and time into improving them, but people like yourselves having having the books and certainly the class and then we are not experts by any means but we enjoy having the podcast so we can put this information out there and i know it's helped our relationship so much and you kind of hinted on it 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 doesn't need to be something that's only looked at when there's problems you want to when you're as happy as a clam in your relationship, that's when you should still be getting these tools because when something does happen, you'll be able to tackle it in in the best way possible.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And also um, sometimes we talk about a dose based approach, like doing a dose of therapy, you know, as you're making a decision to live together or get married, another dose around the birth of your first baby, another dose as you've got, you know, whatever, kids in elementary school, certainly when you've got teenagers, another great time for couples therapy. So sort of seeing it in a developmental lens, it's, um you know, I think I, we now, my husband and I are now in our 19th year of marriage and we've got um, an adolescent and a pre-adolescent and what the demands on each of us and on our marriage are really different than, you know, just a few years ago when we were in the stage that you guys are in with a little, you know, little baby and um, and there's, It's such a dynamic being and a a marriage is such a dynamic kind of a thing, you know, and um, expectations change and the demands change. And um, so just kind of keeping it keeping it in mind as a long term tool that, okay, so we've never parented a 14 year old. Let's figure out (laughs) what that brings up in each of us and how we how we best rise to the occasion.
0: And during those dose based sessions, are they? Uh, what do you talk about exactly? Like how to deal with the upcoming conflict or the potential of conflict?
3: Yeah, I think that is um, definitely. I mean, I think, yes. And um, finding ways to, uh, sometimes it's having difficult conversations that are hard to have at home because tensions would start to run high. So having conversations in a, in a place where you've got somebody there, to keep the space safe. That's sometimes how my couples will use therapy. They'll say, you know, we had this issue and we didn't want to talk about it till we were in here with you. But I have couples who kind of come in, come in and out of therapy with me over, over time.
2: Doing something is better than doing nothing. It's not going to be perfect. Even just listening to this podcast and, and hopefully then taking the steps to implement some of these tools. And even if you're not, doing that with your partner at least you're hopefully internalizing them yourself and you're taking that forward even if you're single because when you do get into a relationship you're going to have these tools for success
1: Mm
3: -hmm. well i think maybe even especially when you're single because then it helps you really know if you're bringing somebody in who can really partner with you you know I, i think one of the things with online so it's really normal and normative to use online dating tools and certainly physical attraction and how somebody looks is an element. I would never say it's not an element of it. But to me, the most important thing I, I i would want people to be looking for in a partner is just this, like the willingness to look inside themselves, to be introspective, to be curious, to kind of own their stuff, to um, be open to looking at how the past impacts the present that to me is the most important quality to look for in a partner it's
2: it's really important and it's interesting because we've had conversations with past guests and we talk about when do you know that the relationship is is not good and that maybe you should consider walking away and one of the biggest most common things is that the partner is not willing to work on the relationship to work on themselves so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of the, the reverse of what you just said. You want to look mm-hmm. for someone that's willing to, to be introspective and put in the work.
3: Yes. Yeah, I have heard I've definitely have heard people say it. I don't believe in couples therapy. I, I think, first of all, it's not like Santa Claus. Like you don't really get to either believe in it or not believe in it. Like <laughs> it's there whether or not you're believing it. But um, that's just – it sort of feels like an, it's a, it's a stance that feels confusing to me. Like, how could somebody not believe in couples therapy? I mean, that's what they're saying is I can never imagine a situation where I would bring that into my life. And to me, that's that just conveys a real lack of humility because if there's anything that love will do, it's humble people, right? Like, you think you got your act together? Okay, <laughs> fall in love and build a marriage and see how vulnerable that makes you feel. So, uh, yeah.
2: They wouldn't. It seems like someone that's saying that is not being honest with themselves. They're not looking at it uh, from a clear space and a clear lens. They're kind of deceiving themselves. Mhm,
1: mhm.
3: Mm-hmm. There's a kind of rigidity, right? And um, yeah, that I that um I struggle with for sure.
2: Well, this is all great information. Now we got to move forward to the lasting love round. But first, we want to tell you a little about our sponsor, Talkspace. Almost every guest we've had on the show has recommended talking with the therapist as one of the most effective ways to improve yourself and your relationship. And that's why we're excited to tell you more about Talkspace.
0: If you've ever thought about going to therapy, but found it too inconvenient, too expensive, or just too embarrassing to make it into an office, then give Talkspace a try. Talkspace is an online therapy company, and they make it easy to connect to a licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Talkspace allows you to text, audio, and video message your therapist as much as you want.
2: Your Talkspace therapist can listen to you vent about work or family, explore your relationship, and help put you on the path to a happier life. To sign up or to learn more, go to Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's one word, I-D-O. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code I do to get $30 off your first month and to show your support for this podcast. That's I do and Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today.
0: What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help
3: improve their relationship? Hmm. Um, how about uh, a, keeping a gratitude journal? So looking every day for what's going well, what am I grateful for, what what is uh, plentiful around me?
2: Is there a book or resource you can recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationships?
3: Do I get to say my own book, or of is that course. just? <laughs> I definitely, you know, Loving Bravely is the book that I just wrote. I've got so many books that I really love about love. Um, I love Sue Johnson's Love Sense. I love all of the books by Brene Brown. Those are really beautiful books about uh, the self. Um, I love Ian Kerner's books about uh, sex and the role of sex in a relationship. I've got a, a thick bookshelf of all kinds of books about love.
0: Great, well, we'll be sure to add all those uh, books as well as your book on your show notes page on idopodcast.com. We've been married for two years now. Is there any advice you'd give
3: newlyweds? Ooh, um, the advice I would give newlyweds is to, um, oh, it just sounds so trite, but just to make sure that each day you really let your partner know that um, that you're glad to have them in your life, um, and that's as much a way of saying it to yourself, like saying to yourself, "I'm really glad this person's in my life," as it is saying it to the other person. You know.
2: I love that, and you could do that even when if you're not a newlywed, 19 years that's, in.
3: hmm That's right. Yep.
2: Yep. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship?
3: Um, it really definitely would be to um to be working on yourself and and um, knowing that when you fall in love and as you fall in love it's really normal and natural it, the analogy I always use is it's like shaking up a snow globe you know it's falling in love and building relationships shakes up a snow globe and whatever stuff you thought you had worked out or figured out is going to kind of come back into play so the degree to which you're comfortable and working comfortable and aware of, stuff that's in your past and tendencies that you have, um, then the better able you're going to be at handling the fact that love is going to stir all of that up.
0: I love that analogy. Thank you. Well, Dr. Solomon, we've enjoyed hearing all the advice you've given us and our listeners today. So let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye.
3: Sure. My website is um, dralexandrasolomon.com. I'm on Instagram at dr.alexandra.solomon and Facebook, Dr. Alexandra Solomon.
2: Our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on iDoPodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in
3: the archives.
0: And again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. It
3: was great. Great to be with you guys.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done so already, head on over to our website, idopodcast.com to check out this episode's show notes and to sign up for our newsletter.
2: Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com.